This is Triple M's Homegrown. Welcome to the first ever edition of... We're going down memory lane with some of our favourite Aussie acts. And what I've done is I've gone through their gig history and I've picked shows at random. And I've tried to find the most obscure one to test the memories of our favourite artists to see what they remember about those shows, if they do it all. Now, a lot of people I've spoken to don't think they're going to remember a thing, but you'd be surprised once you mentioned the lineup. And joining me first is Mr. James Rain. How are you, man? Good, Maddie. How are you? I'm good, my friend. I've had a lot of fun scrolling through your gig history. So let's go to the first one. 1979 at Flix in Manly, New South Wales, and you were supporting... Tell us. What was it like supporting the Knack? Well, I don't remember that. Well, I, I remember that we did the Horden Pavilion and we were really new, incredibly new. And it was the first time we'd ever been interstate and we were signed to EMI as were the Knack. Mm. And Ross Wills, the first version of Mondo Rock were on as well. So there were two versions. The first, yeah. first version of Mondo Rock did, made one album and I think it was called Primal Park. Yeah. And we, we went on and so the Knack would... They had this album was huge. It was like the biggest record in the world at the time. And my Sharona was just, every, you know, on everything. Mm. And they came out to tour here. We were on first and we were just kids, you know. We didn't know what we were doing. He won't mind me telling you this story. And then um, then Mon- the first version of Mondo Rock would be on and then the Knack would go on. And the first version of Mondo Rock, they were a really good band. I mean, so were the second version, but they were great. And the Knack were great, but mm. they were sort of, they hadn't played together for a long time. You know, they'd made one album. And they had this this record that was huge. So we'd go on, then Mondo Rock would go on, and then the Knack would go on. And I think at some stage along the way, I could, please, people can ring up if I've got this wrong. But somehow, I think the Knack kind of got the feeling maybe that Mondo Rock were kind of just bl- not blowing off stage. Yeah, they were getting, right. So they had this idea, and there's a fabulous, wonderful man. I've got to know him well since then. He's a lovely, lovely guy. He's a very, very well-known tour production manager, crew man, original crew man called Scrooge Madigan. And Scrooge is on that tour. And Scrooge is Scrooge the sort of guy who didn't mess with Scrooge. And I remember we were kids. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. Whoa! <laughs> and I remember in the Siebel townhouse that exists, that isn't there anymore, and one day Scrooge called us in for a meeting and he had on, I remember he had black suit, black gloves, sunnies, I think he had sunnies, and he had a black briefcase and he sat on the briefcase in the room and he said to us, right, this is how it's going to work. Mondo Rock are going on first, the Knack are going on second, and you guys are going on after the Knack. What? Going, what? <laughs> This guy's got the biggest record there. Anyway, it cool. It wasn't Scrooge's decision. He just had to deliver the news, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he, um, anyway, uh, cooler minds prevailed in the end, and that did not happen. But that was, you know, <laughs> I remember about that tour. They, they were sort of, they had all these rules about you couldn't smoke. I mean, everyone smoked then, but you couldn't smoke around them and all that sort of stuff. Anyway, that's yeah. my memories of the knack. Uh, let's go a year later, man. The mighty Bondi lifesaver. Tell us about this infamous venue, man. I hear so many stories about it. Can you paint the picture of what it was like for people who'd never been back in the 80s in Sydney? Um, yeah, well, it was sort of going, it was, it was going in the 70s. And we were, we sort of, when we played there, I went there a few times before the band was doing anything. And the, and we sort of played there towards the sort of end, tail end of it. Yeah. But it was famous. Uh, it, was, it was called The Swap. Um, it was nicknamed The Swap. Mm. Uh, it was in Bondi Junction. I think it was just famous because it was where everybody went, go, did gigs, which a lot of people in bands went there after their gigs. Yeah, yeah. And there's a period there where Angry, Anderson Angry, 
You should ask him if you ever interview him. He mm. he ran the bar for a while. I didn't know so that. Ran, you know, he was the he was the boss of the bar. Yeah, yeah. He ran the bar there for a while. Um, and it was the sort of place where international, like international people, if they were touring, they'd go there. Where's the best place to go in Sydney when you've done your gig? Go to the, the lifesaver. Yeah. But we only I think we only played there once, maybe twice, but only once, maybe. Mm. And I think because Eric. I'm dating myself now, but there's a guy called Reckless Eric who was part of the whole stiff crowd mm. when Ian Jury, Elvis Costello, um, or, uh, Reckless Eric, all those bands, they all came out on the thing. And Reckless Eric had a big hit. I forget the name of the song. And he came and somehow we got to know him. We probably went out. In those days, we'd go out all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Reckless Eric came to the gig, was backstage, and he was, I mean, he's, you know, we were everyone used to drink a lot, but I think he was probably a little bit the worst for wear and we had to kind of really... Get him off the stage. <laughs> yeah. I remember that. Yeah. But it was an incredible place. You just go there and, you know, be, everyone would be there. Everyone, all the names of the time would be there. All right, man. I'm going to fast forward a little bit uh, a little bit down the track now because I saw this. I'm like, I, I need to know about this show. You played with the one and only. What's love got to do? Got to do with it. What's love but a Tina Turner at uh, the Entertainment Centre in Sydney, 1988. What was that like? Well, I did a few gigs with, on that tour, and I because I was at that stage, I think I was managed by Roger Davies, who managed Tina. Okay. Well, maybe it was a little bit before that. I can't remember the times. I hope this were times, but I think it was just them. Just was you know, seemed like a good idea at the time. I don't think it was. I was the probably the right opening act for Tina. <laughs> but then I ended up, you know, meeting her through Roger and I was played Roger in the film they made about her. Yep. And, and I, you know, she's a lovely, lovely woman. And, um, you know, I got to know her a little bit and through Roger and um, she's just, you know, she's just a lovely person. Yeah. Um, you know, because someone like me and you meet someone like Tina Turner, I mean, I'm just going, whoa. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but yeah. she just puts you at, at your ease immediately and uh, she was just fabulous. And at that stage, she was just becoming... I think at that stage it was just before she she was just she was really starting to break through. Yeah, cool. So she hadn't, you know, she was just right on the. It had just started to happen where it just went completely worldwide. You know, she became huge worldwide. Yeah, you mentioned um, not being the right fit to support her. Is there one gig that stands out for you where you got on the bill and you did the gig and you were like, I, I just can't believe. I just did that. Like the worst support you've ever done. I reckon we've got 10 of them. Every artist I speak to has got a few. Me being the support? Yeah. Is there one that stands out like back in the day when you were starting or whatever, you got put on apart from the knack and you're just like, well, that just, that just didn't work. God, I'll think of 20 now when it's all over. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's cool. I bet. That's cool. Um, We did a lot of, when we started, we did a lot of support. Yeah. I mean, I remember there was a time when um, there was an agency, the agency had this idea when we We'd, uh, we'd been around for probably a year or so. Yeah. And they did this thing and they call, they were going to call it part of the agency. I think they were going to call it Pyramid or something. So it was us, the boys, de- Australian Crawl, the boys next door, which be, who became a band called The Aliens. Mm. And that that was in the days of The Aliens. One of, and The Aliens, I know one of the, Jeff who was in The Aliens went on to be in uh, Ganga Jang. And, mm. But The Aliens, and they had a um, had a song called Confrontation. And they wore, their thing was, Black, either black shirts and white ties or white shirts and black ties. They all wore <laughs> yeah. the same thing. Yeah. Then us and the boys next door. And they would, we did, my memory's so bad, but it was, well, let's say it was a Thursday night downstairs at Bombay Rock as a residency. So we did it for, I don't know how, I can't remember how long we did it for. And um, 
that was just an odd pairing. Right? <laughs> yeah. But we're all brilliant. But I mean, I, we did lots of supports at the start. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Had lots of bands. I mean, I mean, yeah, we played with Dragon a couple of times. I mean, that was a that was a good support. But yeah, I'm trying to think about overseas acts. I haven't done too many overseas people. To be honest, right. I haven't done too many of those. Hey, let's fast forward a few years later because you played at uh, the Grand Prix, the headliner. Headliner was John Farnham, but it's an incredible lineup. John Farnham, Jimmy Barnes, John Stevens, Kate Sobrano, Daryl Braithwaite, and yourself. What, what was the setup there at, at the Grand Prix back in the 90s? Okay, so that was, the, I think that was the last time they did, what, the, what that was, was that was the last time they had the Grand Prix in Adelaide. Right, okay, and yes. the it, reason that the, the bill is like that is be, it was the last time they had it in Adelaide. So when they, Melbourne had just taken it from Adelaide, and that was the last time, and I don't know, you, you were probably a child, but they had this, when they did the arena show of Jesus Christ Superstar, that was huge. I yeah. mean, they were going to do, I don't know, I don't know this, the actual facts, but um, they were going to do seven and that ended up being 97. <laughs> yeah. It just went through the roof. And yeah, it was yeah. John, John played Jesus Christ. John Farnham played Jesus Christ. John Stevens, John played um, Judas, I believe. Kate played Mary. Mm. Um, and I think there's whacked me and Daryl on to make it, you know, round it out. And I remember we, and what was, was that because they, they were doing, they were in Adelaide that week. So, and they were doing, you know, 93 sold out. And what they did was that they'd asked all of them and me and Daryl and some other people to be in the celebrity race. I don't know if they still have the celebrity race. Yeah, they do. So they we're do. in the celebrity race. And it was, um, so we were all in Adelaide for that week because they, they train you for the week leading up to the thing. They, you with drivers and they teach you how to take corners and, you know. <laughs> yeah. And all everybody does is just wreck the cars and just them. Um, anyway, so that was why the bill was like that. So I think they had that thing of, we'll do this. Jesus Christ Superstars in town, doing really well. Everybody's going to see that. Then the Grand Prix, the celebrity race has got, you know, Jesus Christ and Judas and Mary Magdalene in it and then Silly James and, and Daryl, you know, et cetera. <laughs> And there's athletes, you know, there was um, Kieran Perkins was in it and Ron Barassa. <laughs> Where'd you finish up? So that's why that bill was that like that. Sorry? Where'd you finish in the race? Oh, I got, well, I sort of, I don't think I, dare I say this. So that was in the days when I used to drink a bit. and um, <laughs> Oh, no. I used to go out at night and you, <laughs> you'd get these, sometimes you get these calls for like your practice call at, you know, eight o'clock in the morning. I think I missed one of them. And then there was a day, a, qualifi- a qualifi- qualifying day. Yeah. God, my memory's hopeless. Qualifying day was on a Saturday or something, but I had to do Hey, Hey, it's Saturday. So I had to go back to Melbourne to do Hey, Hey, it's Saturday. So I missed the qualifying day. So they started me last yeah. on the um, thing. So I started last, but I think I came. But I managed to come like, I don't know, sixth or seventh. Or well done. Thanks. That's pretty yeah. impressive. All right, one more Thanks. I found. One more I found. Uh, you played with your friend, Mr. Mark Seymour, and we're staying in Adelaide. Mr. John Fogarty, what was that like? Well, that for me was amazing because, you know, when I was a kid, when I was growing up, the first person that became, I was, was my absolute hero was John Fogarty. I mean, when I was about, I don't know, when I first heard him, I must have been 11 or something. And I just went, whoa, what's that? Mm. And then I was just the biggest Credence fan. I mean, you can ask anybody who knew me then, I just was Credence all the way. And then it was Credence and it was Little Feet in there, but Credence was the, it was the first band that I just loved everything they did and I bought every record. So when it came to, um, and they say, never meet your heroes. So we do this tour with um, 
Mr. with John Fogarty mm. and um, everybody else. And the band were great. We met all the band and I didn't want to meet him because I just thought, oh, you know, I just go, you changed my life. What do yeah. I say? Yeah. So everybody else, and you'd sort of go to the gig and they'd be catering and John was, you know, everyone else met him. So oh, he's lovely, he's so friendly. I said, I oh, know, but I just don't want to. But there was a, the last, I think it was in Adelaide, might have been the last show and we were in our dressing room. And I, everyone had met John, everyone had hung around with John, hung out with him, you know, and he's a lovely guy and had his family. And we were in our band room and they had these weird sort of lightweight lounge, lounge chairs, like these armchair things. Mm. And um, I was in there, I might have been in there with Mark and some other person, and there was a knock on the door, and this is the last gig, and the door opens and it's John Fogarty. And I haven't met him, everyone else has met him. He's, you know, hey, guys, you know, comes in. He's a Mr. very friendly guy. And he came in and... And it was this weird thing where he was standing, I think whoever else was in the room, might have been Mark, but Mark was sitting down, whoever else was in the room was sitting down as well. And I was sitting down, but I thought the spatial relationship's all wrong. So I stood up and then, then Mark, whoever else stood up and then it was three people standing on the edge of one of these cheap, lightweight kind of armchair. It was fine, they'd stick him in a band room to get the four band people to yeah, sit in. Yeah. And I sat on the edge of the thing, on the arm of it, and it just collapsed. <laughs> So that's my John Fogarty story, and I never, I never really, I went, oh, it's such an idiot, and I left. And I said, that was my John Fogarty. There you go. And uh, he was really just a, I mean, he was so lovely. I mean, really good. Yeah, he was just so good. Ah, uh, James. Well, thanks so much, man, for having a chat. Uh, going for a walk down memory lane. Some great stories there, Matt. And looking forward to seeing you at a gig soon, man. Catch up and have a beer. Yeah, good, Matt. Be good to see you.